The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. This week, I'm joined by my friend Eno Saris from The Athletic. Eno, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing? Doing good, Mr. Co-Manager. Sorry our team isn't doing better. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like we're going to finish in seventh place out of 20 teams and Devils rejects for like the fourth year in a row here. Um, but you are destroying AL Labor, and that'll be your first league title there. So that's, that's going to happen. And the points record. That'll be fun. Is that is that uh, is that close? Is that uh, I think I've got it. I think I don't want to celebrate the week too early. Uh, I currently have 114 and a half points out of a possible 120, and the record uh, was set last year by Ian Khan, who's in second, uh, and he had 110, I think, or 110 and a half. So yeah, Ian's made a very valiant uh, title defense. He's second by a, a pretty clear margin at this point, and uh, I know that he was he made a little uh, run at me. He made me a little nervous. His motivation, I think, was more to kind of protect that points record. Yeah, he uh, was. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I think that'll he he's still gonna he's still gonna try to grind his way to to get you under that. But um, I mean, that's still got to feel cool, though, right? I mean, how many years you've been in? in that league oh my god it's also embarrassing dude i mean it's like almost just a i think it's i'm getting i think it's like my 10th year and there's 12 people on the team so it's like almost just random but, luck. i mean it's kind of uh <laughs> it's it's a perfect sort of you know what, what we're going to talk about today is uh kind of you know these guys may not have necessarily even been prospects coming into the year but i want to get your take on a, on a bunch of starting pitchers who um, this was sort of their first season uh, to kind of give us a, a full look at what they could do as big league starters. And a lot of them kind of broke out or a lot of them might be popular breakout picks next year. And I think a big reason for your success in AL, AL labor this year is that you, you got a couple of breakout uh, aces in Shane McClanahan and Dylan Cease. Um, and that's, you know, that's going to really do a lot for you in an AL only league. Um do you remember, like, were those guys, Cease and, and McClanahan, were they kind of clear targets for you coming into the auction, or was it just the, the right price on those guys? Well, I, actually, I wanted Justin Verlander, um, you know, as my ace, and I thought I could – I was hoping to get an ace for 20, um, and Verlander got uh, too expensive. Went to, like, 25 or 26 or 27, something like that, and I 
Uh, I wanted to get an ace for 20 and two $15 guys. That was my approach. Uh, so I got Jose Barrios uh, for 19 <laughs> and uh, McClanahan and Cease for like 14 each. Um, but, um, you know, the model, my pitching model, uh, Stuff Plus and, and Location Plus, they they always, they like Barrios. They still like Barrios. Uh, you know, it's still say, they still say he's a good pitcher. Um, it's been a terrible year for him. Um, but the model also gave me a lot of wins down, down, uh, stream in McClanahan seats, but also, um, my $3 pitchers were, uh, uh, what was it? Tyler Wells, uh, Tanner Scott. Um, and there was one more, um, but Tyler Wells and Tanner Scott were just guys that I just took because pitching plus liked them. Um, and in effect, in effect, uh, we may not talk about a lot of relievers today, but it's a really powerful model when it comes to relievers in our league and devil's rejects. Uh, we picked up Jorge Lopez and Felix Bautista this year, just because the model told us to, uh, and, uh, they've been great. Felix Bautista has the number one stuff in baseball. And for anybody who's not, um, familiar with it, uh, stuff plus basically, um, looks at the physical characteristics of the pitches um, and just those alone. So it's, you know, spin movement. Uh, they're all in sort of uh, relationship with each other too. So it's movement differential and velocity differential. And there's a seam shifted wake stat in there. So, um, you know, it's pretty powerful and it's what's greatest about it is it works faster than strikeouts minus walks, which are the, which were before the fastest stat we had. So basically it shines in small samples. So these pictures that we're going to talk about today, it tells you the most about them. Now it doesn't tell you everything. It's not going to be perfect. You know, there's no perfect model, uh, but it's, it's really useful for when a guy comes up, throws three starts in September and there's a role waiting for him the next year. And everybody's wondering how good they actually are. Uh, and it's awesome when they struggle a little bit, but the model says they're great, you know, like Tyler Wellesian sort of situation. So well, I'm know. glad you gave that, uh, that breakdown there because we will probably be uh, referencing uh, stuff plus quite a bit here. Um, I also wanted to mention that you have, uh, you, you kind of have the, like the baseball writers equivalent to a shoe deal. You have a, <laughs> you have a, a beer deal. Uh, <laughs> Oh man, I should have one of those cans here on me, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, I cannot believe it. Uh, Probably, probably the first stat to ever be uh, to have its own beer, but yeah, Stuff Plus, if you're in the Baltimore area, Full Tilt has uh, cans of Stuff Plus out there with my, my picture on it and heat maps, heat maps on the beer can. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out to, shout out to Dan at, at Full Tilt Brewing out there. Uh, definitely uh, pick some of that up if you're if you're in that area. And if you're going uh, to Arizona, I'll bring some. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, can't wait to get out to Arizona. Uh, that's going to be here before you know it. Um, okay. So b- before we get into some specific pictures, I did just want to ask you a quick uh, separate kind of question, just because I thought you would have some really good perspective on this. And it's something you and I have kind of texted about uh, here and there. But I get this question a lot. And I just was curious if you had any teams that kind of jumped to mind, but are there, are there any teams where you uh, downgrade pitchers just based on the developmental success rate of a certain regime or organization? Yeah, it's uh it's interesting. You know, some of these 
places uh, like Cleveland and Los Angeles that, that are well-renowned for um, developing pitchers, sometimes I think it's less about the development of the pitcher and just about preparing them for game day. Um, you know, just having a really awesome game day prep plus the defense behind them. If you look at the Babbitt for the Dodgers this year, it's like 250. Um, so maybe just awesome shifting plus game day prep. Uh, because you know, it, my model does not love my, my model sort of famously hates Cal Quantrill and really does not like Shane Bieber. And you know, uh, thinks Tristan McKenzie is slightly above average and uh, thinks Ryan Pepio has some of the worst command in the big leagues and uh, never liked Josiah Gray. Uh, and, uh, you know, thinks Michael Grove is okay. You know, <laughs> like, you know, and these are, these are the guys that, that these teams have pumped out that have succeeded. Right. <laughs> we see Josiah Gray go somewhere else and, and not succeed um, under a different regime under different game planning under different defense, you know? So um, I, I wonder Sometimes it's uh, there are like I think the Astros are very good at developing pitchers, um, but then there's also this aspect of what's just game day planning, game day prep, defense behind them, that sort of deal. So uh, I, you know, like Hunter Brown, I'll give him a little inch forward because he's an Astro. Like he's got some flaws, but don't you think the Astros will develop around that? And you know, uh, and um, you know, make the most out of that. Now, if we had Hunter Brown on what? The Tigers? Uh, the the White Sox? There was a Hunter Brown coming up through the White Sox. Royals? Royals. Yes. Yes, Royals. Um, <laughs> uh, Nationals? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, that's where it matters most. Like, Kate Cavalli... I think has enough stuff to outstuff his way, you know, potential injury now and, and stuff. But I mm -hmm. think like, you know, if you're like a, if you're a top prospect, like a top 10, 20 prospect, it might not matter. You might just stuff your way through it. You're like Dylan Cease, you know, like not great development around him, but he's made it. Um, but I think it, you know, these more fringe cases, Hunter Brown, Michael Grove, um, you know, guys that aren't top prospects where you're like, oh, should I be interested in them? Be less interested in them if they're on the Nationals, the Royals. The Tigers may be changing in, in the few in the few seasons, but uh, the Angels of the past uh, were a bad organization. They're they're starting to make some strides. And that's the other part. If you put somebody in a do not draft and you're just like, I'm never going to draft a Royal starting pitcher again do you know all the hirings they're doing and like what they're doing behind the scenes and how quickly you can turn around the blue Jays used to be a bad place for developing starting pitching. And then they put a bunch of money into it and they, they made a lab and they, they hired new people. And uh, I would say the blue Jays are at least average and probably above average at it now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you can kind of sense when the tide is shifting, but it might be too late on a certain pitcher if, if you're late there. Uh, the one thing with like, you know, the Hunter Brown example and even, you know, Cleveland and the Dodgers, like they have, they're so good at kind of making the most of the pitchers they have or developing pitchers uh, that there's 
seemingly, you know, seven or eight guys for those rotations kind of heading into the year. So, so then you have a, a separate problem, right? Yeah. Opportunity problem. <laughs> yeah. Like it's hard to, it's hard to project many, you know, obviously like Justin Verlander is different, but it's, it's hard. And Framber is obviously kind of um, doing his own thing, but you're not going to project Hunter Brown for like 150 innings in the big leagues next year. Bobby Miller, like, you know, how many innings are you going to give Bobby Miller next year? Yeah. I mean, the Dodgers have, they just have all these guys and they're just kind of, they'll take their time and they'll give them opportunities when they want. But, um, and the, and the last thing is these guys also go to places like driveline, right? Mm-hmm. So somebody could go, somebody who, you know, pitches for the tigers could go to driveline, get really good, uh, get an opportunity. Yeah. Like you get it, you get some outside help and then show up and just kind of do your own thing. <laughs> Mitch Keller went to Tread Athletic, you know, uh, added two ticks on the uh, Velo, added a sweeper slider. I know that he's not amazing now, but like you would say, maybe the Pirates are bad at pitching development. um, And yet they coached Jose Quintana back to life. And uh, they've been, you know, Mitch Keller has taken a step forward. uh, But is that Tread or is that Pirates or... (laughs) So it's, I think I would, you know, generally, um, generally I try to not put people on do not draft lists. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a price, there's a moment at which it makes sense for everybody, you know? Um, so maybe do you like put them down a tick? Like if you're doing your rankings, uh, but it, you know, Jared Seidler uh, wrote an interesting piece for BP recently about like, should we, should should we like should we be considering this like you know when we when we were prospect ranking should we consider be considering the organization that drafted them in terms of how likely are they hit their 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 outcomes right uh, yeah i mean i i i've kind of always factored that in but it's it's different when you're doing it for fantasy versus you know i think uh in jared's article that you're referencing there there is sort of you ne- you're never going to see someone doing a set of prospect rankings for you know fan graphs or bp or ba and they're not going to be like well we're downgrading this guy a little bit because of the team he's coming up in but you can't you do have the freedom to do that when you're doing it just for fantasy rankings right right but then you have the, the just like we just talked about you have the opposite thing about opportunity that you have to think about too right yeah i've, I've kind of the, the more i've sort of thought about it recently is it's, it's more kind of the the places where I am really worried about the, the defense and, you know, the, like the pitch mix, like I, I always thought the Tigers were wrong in terms of what Casey Mize's um, usage was on his pitches and stuff like that. Like I'm more willing to kind of downgrade the, the bottom teams, the, the bad situations than to give like a huge bump to, especially an unproven pitching prospect in one of those good orgs. Cause you just don't know like how many innings they're going to get when they're going to get their shot. Obviously, you give a bump to the the veteran, like a, a Dodgers starter who you can project for 170 innings is better than a starter for any yeah, other. Like Tyler player. Anderson was a pretty good pickup. Yeah. Like they pick up Tyler Anderson. He's going to the Dodgers. You know, right. hey, pick draft that guy. And and that was <laughs> that's a different I, conversation. I added Tyler Anderson everywhere I could in Fab this year just because it was like, oh, he's going to be in the Dodgers rotation. I don't really care about anything beyond that. <laughs> yeah, right. He's going to have like a 260 Babbitt, and they're going to take one of his pitches and make it better. And oh, hey, they did that. So uh, 
Spencer Strider is where I want to start um, on specific pitchers. He's going to probably be of all the guys we talk about, he'll have the highest ADP. Uh, you know, hopefully the oblique thing is just a minor issue. Um, leads all starters in K percentage, K minus walk percentage, uh, but he does it in a very um, in a way that you don't see many of those other guys near the top of that leaderboard do it with the 67% fastball. Uh, 28% slider, uh, changeup usage under 5%. Uh, you know, what What have you been um, – I mean, he's he's just such an anomaly to me. I'm sure he is to you in many ways as well. Like, where where do you think, like, his ADP should be next year? Because he has all these things pointing in his favor, but it is such a kind of a unique uh, way that he does it with the, just the fastball being such an elite pitch for him. Yeah, I just had a, a sit down conversation with him where, you know, the entire conversation was, can you make it work with two pitches? <laughs> and, you know, he was like, yeah, I've, I've engineered these two pitches to be the best that they can be. And, you know, th- there is a philosophical question there within Stuff Plus is like, you know, your Stuff Plus is going to be better if you only throw your best pitches. But there is research out there that says you turn the lineup more over more often and your third time through the order penalty is lessened if you throw more pitches. Um, so th- that's an old schoolism that's 100% true. Um, and so, you know, do you throw a pitch that has lower stuff plus more often uh, because, uh, you know, because you want to turn the lineup more often? More often? Do, do, do you devalue somebody like Strider and say, oh, no, he's just, it's just a, you know, a, a blip in the it's just because he only throws two pitches and he's really just a closer that's out there for five innings. Um, you know, uh, now that he's done it for so many innings, I, I tend to believe him. He convinced me that he can do it. Um, and his two pitches are just so excellent. And he is number one among pitchers, among starting pitchers and stuff. Plus, um, I, and it's not like last year we had 37 pitches at the end of the year with a high stuff. Plus, then you're looking at a guy who you're like, well, yeah, he looks great in 37 pitches, but now you're looking at a guy who's had enough samples. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to believe in him. Um, and I think he should absolutely be uh, a top 10 pitcher next year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think that's probably where it's going to settle um, because of just how dominant he's been. And uh, you are going to have naysayers. Um, the warning but- sign is you remember Luis Heal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he I mean, popped really hard last year in the model, and he had 527 pitches. Uh, he wasn't – he was about, you know, he was a, uh, maybe like top 30 instead of, you know, top five like like Strider was last year. But uh, still, that's a two-pitch pitcher that didn't succeed. So Well, I mean, we've seen like Heal, Glassnow, and Lamette all needed – you know, their arms basically broke surgery um, too. Yeah. So it's, is that a, and Strider's cost, coming off surgery, you know? Yeah. Like, so I don't, I think that might be, I mean, it'll probably just come down to what the price is. Um, but you know, do you buy Like would, would being a two pitch guy, if you're throwing your fastball that much be more of an injury risk than if you were a, like a four pitch guy? Like, I don't, I don't know the answer. 
when they did the study on like what puts uh, stress on your shoulder, like with the with the with the modus sleeve, um, there's a big study by Driveline where they looked at um, just basically the raw stress on the elbow, and what they found was velo is the stressor. Okay. Um, yeah. The the only asterisk, and it's actually kind of an important one, is that if you correct for velo, sliders are actually more stressful. So basically the most stressful pitch in baseball is like DeGrom's 93 mile an hour slider. And the, the second most stressful pitch in baseball is like anybody's 99 mile an hour fastball. So strider doesn't necessarily have that 93 mile an hour slider, but he does throw really, really hard on the fastball. So I tend to think that we overvalue our ability to uh, know who's going to be hurt this year. Yeah. I mean, no matter what happens with him, uh, people will be doing, I told you so's on either <laughs> side of the aisle, right? Like if, if he's, if he's healthy, people will be like, I, I thought he was going to get hurt, you know? And then if he gets hurt, people will be like, can't believe you guys were taking this guy in the second round or whatever it is. So yeah, but somebody um, will still take the Grom in the second round. So of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, if, if I do have an approach on Strider is to, uh, I would love to get him in like the third or fourth, you know, and have like, like it'd be awesome to get three hitters and then Strider as my, my ace. I feel like, you know, I'll have a team or two where that does happen. And then we'll just have to see what the hype machine looks like uh, for Strider next year. But if you do think about top 10 pitchers, there's going to be a lot of pitchers that are good, you know, at the, in that 10 and Strider could fit anywhere, depending on what you think of Scherzer's back, you know, DeGrom's everything, you know, there's going to be some, some decisions between injury or youth. Um, Could you, could you make a case that, I mean, I think most people would obviously say DeGrom's the best on a per-start basis. Could you make a case Strider's the second best behind DeGrom on a per-start basis next year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's – he, yeah. He's a, he's a closer for five innings. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. That's what it looks like. So I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe in it. So uh, I was part of the – very first NFBC draft for 2023 where we just did seven rounds. Uh, it was probably almost a month but ago. You've already done a draft. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've already done the first seven rounds of a draft and then we're going to pick <laughs> okay. it. Um, and so Strider obviously went, I think he went like in the middle of those seven rounds. And then uh, the only other guy that I was going to ask you about uh, who went in those first seven rounds is Nick Lodolo, uh, who was, a well, he did. Player. Yeah, he was a top 100 pick, and that was before like he had those two dominant starts um, like a week or two ago, and that was before those even. So, um, you know, the strikeout rates, 10th best among starters. Uh, he's got the uh, walk rate down uh, over his last like six, seven starts. I know that had been a, an issue for him earlier in the year. Obviously, don't like the team context really anything about it um you know a, a big picture arc <laughs> back injury you know like there's there's some stuff that's sort of outside of his skills that you could point to but is there anything within just it, his, his stuff and his command that gives you any pause there is a negative in in the in the command uh, i think he's about to break the hit by pitch record for, <laughs> for a red starter and you know you're talking about half a season so 
Um, you know, in the suite of uh, pitching plus, there's a location plus. He's got a nice six six. Um, you know, in terms of starters that are around him that have similar stuff but similarly bad, uh, command is um, it's not even you, Darvish. It used to be you, Darvish. Uh, man, who's got Tanner Houck if he was a starter? But he, you know, he lost the ability to start but i think the reds will start him right of course um yeah, yeah his location plus is is pretty is is not good it, like like for example christian javier had better location plus okay uh, he, he's not someone and similar stuff plus so he's not and he's not someone who's known for having good command right i mean what's your do you um for a, a rookie like this do you project improvement there especially if they yes uh year to year and year to year uh stuff plus is stickier uh so just generally stuff is stickier and that's why i think teams it's part of why teams why is tyler anderson available every year is because he's not a stuff guy he's he's a location guy and so nobody wants to like buy him for three or four years because you know one or two of those years is not going to be good. JT Brubaker came up. It was a big location guy and didn't have any stuff. We saw how that worked out. I'd much rather bet on someone who has stuff because location is not a sticky year to year. And because if you, frankly, if you look up and down Lodolo's uh, minor league career, he didn't have bad command every year. And someplace like, like a Fangraphs has a 55, 60 uh, component grade on the command. So I see a guy who has stuff similar to what Shane McClanahan had, uh, in his small his start. And of course, McClanahan had slightly better command. Uh, so I'm not saying that Lodolo is the next McClanahan. I'm not going to push him that much. I'm a little surprised that he went in your first seven rounds, uh, but I will be looking to have shares of him. So I am generally bullish on him. Yeah, I think he's just, he, he's going to be really, it'll be fun to see sort of where the market settles on him. Uh, you know, the, I generally don't, want to invest in red starters yeah. uh, for <laughs> obvious reasons and, but yeah. um i mean you definitely it, it's uh it's really exciting just to the, the strikeout potential that he has right um, exactly yeah yeah then his and there are pitchers who've succeeded in cincinnati and like back to our previous conversation maybe he's just one of these guys like a dylan cease that's just gonna you know outstuff all the problems yeah and i mean it's not a you know the 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 park is is a big issue. They've usually had really bad uh, defenses. Um, that could, you know, I don't know how there much. There are some play. players coming up now. Yeah, they, like Barrero is okay, and Steer is yeah. probably okay. He's played some short, so if he's their third baseman, that's not the, so bad. So that could be, yeah, that could be trending maybe in the right direction, but it's still, you know, they're going to be a bad team next year. Um, and then his teammate Hunter Green. Uh, kind of quietly has just been uh really dominant with the yeah. you know 12th 12th best k rate among um starters and he's already up to 115 innings more innings than Lodolo cuz Lodolo missed that time and um but like with Strider Green is kind of a you know like a 5% third pitch guy um do you are you are you in or are you kind of pessimistic on on Green for next year 
I'm in. Uh, I've got to be intellectually consistent, if anything. Uh, also, just uh, in Stuff Plus, it goes Strider, DeGrom, Green. It's not something I need to tell you. And Burns is next. It's not something I need to tell you that he has great stuff. Uh, but also, his locations um, you know, aren't as bad as you might expect. They're round, round league average. Um, and really, he's uh, relevant to kind of the Lodolo uh, story where... Uh, sure, Lodolo's uh, location plus isn't great. Neither was Hunter Green's when he first started. Um, and he's had some starts where uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't any good for him. So when he started out, uh, he was having some 94s and 96. He had a 75 location plus early on. That's when he was uh, throwing everything straight down the middle and gave up a bunch of homers. Uh, but if you look at his last uh, sort of five to seven starts, they're all above 100. And then his very last start, he had 109 location plus. So, you know, I think location is one of those things that can be coached um, because you start knowing where the bad misses are um, and you start your major league coaches really can be better at like giving you a cue. Oh, just aim a little bit higher or aim a little bit lower, you know, like and then just it's something that happens over time. You just the command does get better over time. Um, so, uh, you know, Green's Green's made the adjustment that Lodolo hasn't. So if Green's going behind Lodolo, that doesn't make much sense to me. So you, would you, if you were just, say you were on the clock at pick 105 and I told you you had to take one of those two, you'd take Green? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think the ADP will, will be very close with those guys. Uh, I think people will maybe be split a little bit on it, but. Uh, I bet you the min max range will be big on both of them though. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, you'll be able to get, I think you'll be able to get Lodolo uh, two or three rounds later and cheaper in some drafts. So you could leave both of them on the, on the clock, get something else and just take whoever drops. If they were both going to be in the guardians starting rotation on opening day i feel like oh you'd my god them creep up into like the third round probably yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so you know we talked uh, about location plus i'm interested to see where this guy rates uh george kirby uh has the the only starter with a lower walk rate among starters with 70 plus innings pitched is Corey kluber and Kirby is a uh, obviously a rookie. Um, he's 15th in K minus walk, uh, throws a ton of pitches, but 50%, 57% usage of his 95 mile an hour fastball. Uh, how does he rate? Yeah, uh, he he has, I think, uh, I, I can sort by location plus. I just want to by uh, by stuff plus, he's uh, without any limits of this is, has a lot of pitchers in it, uh, 407, <laughs> but, uh, it's 99 location plus And among starters, uh, 99 is about average. So he's a guy who has average stuff and standout, uh, standout location by among starters. Uh, his location is, let's see here. Uh, let me see who's above him. Brandon Woodruff is above him. Uh, you can count Chris Paddock if you want, Ross Stripling, uh, Jacob DeGrom, Aaron Nola. That's it. So he's a top 10 guy already by command. And I think once you, uh, one thing you see about Location Plus is not as, as strong year to year, but a lot of that's on the edges, uh, on the bad side. 
uh, in smaller samples. Uh, usually when you have like those guys that I mentioned, they've all been tops in location plus every year. Like Aaron Nola is tops in location plus every year. Jacob deGrom is tops. Chris Paddock has been tops. He, you know, in some ways, Kirby uh, looks like a, a better Chris Paddock in terms of having a wider arsenal. Uh, having a similar kind of overall level of stuff. But the reason why I like Kirby better than that um, is because over the last little bit, when it comes to um, his slider, he's changed it. And uh, he's now throwing a totally different slider than he threw at the beginning of the season. And it's a much better uh, pitch by Stuff Plus. So I think, you know, Next year, he'll have both above average stuff and elite command, um, which makes him a really fascinating and I think high floor pitcher with mm-hmm. a decent amount of ceiling, you know? So yeah. I, I really like Kirby. Does he remind you of like maybe um, like a like a young Shane Bieber or young Aaron Nola or, or anything like that? Yeah, the weird thing is that, uh, you know, the numbers bear this out. And I think he he said the same to me is that his changeup is his, is his best pitch. Um, so but he's learning a really good slider. So who does that remind you of? Maybe DeGrom a little bit, you know, mm. um, in just that DeGrom had this change up in his curve and then he learned that harder slider. Right. And then he kind of and he added all the velo. But like, for example, Kirby told me, hey, you know, I know I'm throwing at 84, 85 now, but I want to throw at 89. And uh, in the last start, he threw at 87. So there's a there's a fair amount of like, you know, uh, what is that? Like he sees things and then he does them. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's like adjustability or coachability or he's kind of a savant like. Yeah, savant ish. You know, his he always had just these insane um, like walk rates. Like I think in college, like he just would go long stretches without walking a single guy. And, um, you know, that obviously translated into pro ball. And then the stuff kind of ticked up a little bit. Um, Like I I was more so thrown out like Nola and um, Bieber as kind of guys who I think when they first broke in, people gave them sort of the high floor tag. And yeah. then they emerged as SP1s. No, that's, that's, yeah, I was focused too much on the pitch types. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And I, and I think that Kirby Slider, uh, you know, could get into that kind of NOLA territory where, you know, he's got that out pitch that he can command at all times. And then he's got these other pitches he throws around it. So, uh, yeah, I think NOLA is a good comp. All right, I got some more pictures to ask Eno about, but first we're going to head to a message from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So rare MLB is an NFT based free to play baseball game played with officially licensed major league baseball cards. Sign up today at so slash MLB and you'll receive 13 common cards to start your collection. Build seven player lineups from cards in your collection and play weekly competitions with scoring based on real life player performance. Compete for rewards with other fans around the world. For more information on gameplay and to sign up, visit so slash MLB. There's no better time to join so rare than ahead of their postseason gameplay. All right, you know, let's uh we can move a little quicker on on some of the rest of these guys, but um what with Reed Detmers, what were your expectations coming into the year? Um how did he kind of do relative to those and is he someone that that interests you at all for 2023? The model did not like uh Reed Detmers coming into the season. I was out on him. Um you could call it a miss. Uh but a fair amount of what he did this year was due to development. Um, and I think maybe some of it was just, I didn't think the angels would develop him. Uh, I didn't really see an out pitch. Um, and, uh, you know, there wasn't like elite command with it. So I just didn't, I didn't really see it. What he did over the course of the season was go back to his old slider. Uh, that gave him a pitch uh, with basically like 140 stuff plus. So he's now got that out pitch and elite out pitch in the slider. Uh, and he pushed the four seam fastball, uh, you know, closer and closer to league average in terms of stuff. So by the end of the season, uh, he had basically an average uh, fastball uh, and basically an elite slider. Um, and that's, you know, what are we talking about with Spencer Strider is, is that combination. He throws these other pitches uh, to get through the game. I'm, I'm going to call it a miss for me. 
and going next season, um, you know, mostly on board with him again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he might be kind of a, a higher floor guy for, for a, a guy his age, but um, maybe doesn't have quite the, the ceiling of some of those guys we talked about previously. Um, what about uh, Rowan C. Contreras? I feel like uh, I was kind of actually surprised to see where his strikeout rate is on the year. Uh, I feel like the stuff should be better than, than that. Um, is he maybe someone that could, could break out and up that next year or are there reasons to be concerned? No, I totally think so. And I think you can even see it with traditional stats uh, to have a 12 and a half percent whiff rate next to an eight K nine is pretty rare. Um, and then in terms of stuff, plus he's sitting there next to uh, Mitch Keller, who actually, I think um, I don't want to say like worst case scenario, but he may have uh, some of the fits and starts and, and, and steps forward and steps back that Mitch Keller did because uh, he also does not have great command. And so I would say the reason he does not turn those uh, those that swing and miss stuff into strikeouts is command. Sure. Um, and the games, I think the games where you see where he has fewer walks, he has more strikeouts. And I don't know if that sounds dumb, but, no. um, you know, I think that you'll have games where he has three walks and three strikeouts and you'll have games where he has like seven strikeouts and no walks. And like, it just shows you that like, there is legitimate upside here. Um, and I'm, I'm super, I'm super excited about him. I would, I would acquire him uh, because I think the player development is improving in, in Pittsburgh. The coaching is improving and uh, he's at least got the raw stuff. Yeah. I think that, that, that kind of all checks out with sort of what I was, what I was thinking with him I and mean, just executing those, those high leverage pitches when, when it's a two, two counter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, an aside, would you rather have a, a pitcher for 2023 who's going to be in the pirates rotation or a pitcher for 2023 who's going to be in the reds rotation? I'll take the pirates, man. I, you know, I don't, I think they, uh, get too much crap for player development. There's a lot of good pieces too. in their player development process. I think Rodolfo Castro is breaking out. You know, I think that they're, they've found some pieces this year. They're getting better. They're, you know, they've got people in place uh, that I really respect uh, in the minor leagues. And uh, then there's that park is just a just a beautiful soft landing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Edward Cabrera was a guy that I like a, a month ago. I thought he was going to be just a super trendy name in drafts next year. He's really uh fallen off i think over his last four or five starts or so i wonder if you know health has always been kind of a thing with him i wonder if he's just kind of fatigued at this point um but like 93 mile an hour changeup is his most used pitch uh four pitches that he uses over 50 percent of the time and they all average over 84 miles an hour uh so it's just you know, I think there's the pieces are there maybe, but there's some other questions. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on Edward? Cabrera? I think that's exactly it. There are wild oscillations in, in the model in terms of his command and his, his stuff. Uh, he's had, uh, he's shown a stuff as low as 84 this year uh, and as high as 113. Wow. Uh, he's shown a location as low as 84 and as high as 101. Generally, not locate not good locations, but I would be willing to look the other way on that 
uh, if I thought he was throwing his best pitch mix, but I don't think he is. I think uh, he's been pushed towards a sort of fastball, forcing fastball slider thing. Um, and I think he would do better uh, throwing the sinker more. However, I wonder if throwing the sinker more removes uh, that changeup from his arsenal as being as effective uh, because, you know, 93 mile an hour changeup, 96 mile an hour sinker, uh, they don't look that dissimilar in the in terms of movement. So would he, you know, he has to pair that changeup, I think, with his uh, four-seamer to make it effective. The change in the sinker uh, are separated by two miles an hour and three inches vertically. Um, they're very similar. So I don't know. I think uh, he has some philosophical things to come up with. Is he going to be a is he going to be a uh, four seam change guy or is he going to be a sinker breaking ball guy? And I think trying to be all those things is affecting his command poorly. Anyway, I agree with you just generally. Uh, I, I think there is superstar upside, but I be I wouldn't want to overdraft him. I'd want to draft him as somebody that. I could put like I'd honestly want to draft him as somebody I could put on my bench, mm-hmm. and I could start him at home, and you know, and then hope that everything comes together. And oh, hey, I got an everyday starter, every week starter, you know. But I don't, I don't think I'd want to draft him and have to put him in week one. Like, what if week one is at Atlanta? <laughs> you want to? Do you want to like? You just like Edward Cabrera at Atlanta? Yeah. No. I mean, I. I would not want to roll him out there for that. Yeah, right. Like, which one do you get? <laughs> if you get the bad one, you just you just got well, like he's, five earned on the first but he, week. Yeah, I mean, he, I guess it, it would come down to the command. I mean, he has good enough stuff where if the stuff is working and he's throwing strikes, he should be able to have success against you know any lineup on the right night. But uh, mm. the command, like a, a lineup like Atlanta, they're going to make you you know throw your throw strikes and stuff. So. Um, I also think I, I, Craig Mish mentioned this to me uh, earlier this season, but like I think he might be a guy that uh, they move maybe in the right deal this offseason. Um, I mean, we're, we've been waiting for that for everybody. I kept thinking it would be Pablo Lopez. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that the, the ask was extremely high, and um, they might have been hoping that Cabrera would show a little bit more down the stretch here to really – up his trade value because they they just need more offensive firepower on that team um more good young hitters so dude cabrera uh, is so weird you know for the year his changeup is his most used pitch yeah that's yeah it's crazy i saw that when i was when i was prepping for the show he throws it he throws that 93 mile an hour changeup more than he did start was. using the sinker almost as much as the four seam later on yeah it's uh I mean, the, the, the whiff rates are great on, on those pitches. Uh, it looks like it can work, but it also looks like he's hiding his fastballs. And... He, he seems like the type of guy that a lot of the smartest teams would just love to get their hands on. Um, but then you don't know like how healthy his arm is because that's just been a thing with him for, for years. And and like if he's throwing that power changeup as much as his four seam, like, maybe it's not so surprising that he's having right. health issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I suspect he'll get overdrafted, but, um, you know, if I luck into a couple of shares, I'll be happy about it. So one guy that I, 
I sometimes this will happen in in September where I'm just like I'm gonna have this guy all over the place next year. Uh, is Kyle Bradish um, with Baltimore? Um, but I'm interested to see what what your numbers say because uh, he's just been he's been really effective um, since returning to the big league rotation in late July. Uh, not missing as a, a ton of bats necessarily, but it might be one it might be similar to the the Ronsi Contreras issue where the, the command might be holding him back there. But uh, what what do you think about Bradish? Yeah, the overall year numbers for him uh, are decent. 104 stuff plus, 99 location plus. Um, you know, that uh, is kind of close to... Oh, this is actually uh, a decent comp, I think. Jake Junis. Mm. Um, because what happened was Bradish has an elite breaking ball. Um, and I don't really think he has other stuff. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't, I don't believe in almost any other pitch he throws. Um, and so what happened was when he came back, uh, he just used the elite breaking ball a lot more. That's the sort of Jacob Junis thing. I'm trying to get uh, the numbers up here right now, but percent usage uh, at the end of the season, he was using the slider more than the cutter. Um, the cutter is basically his fastball. So uh, the best stretch of a season by Stuff Plus where it was better than those overall numbers and the best set of uh, numbers of the season um, where in terms of results were all when he was using the slider as much, if not more than his cutter uh, and playing off of that. So uh, what how, does that make you nervous? A little, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't love that. You don't love Jake Junis? You only, that you only like one, one of his pitches. <laughs> but I like Jake Junis. Well, I... I loved uh, I loved using Jake Junis uh, earlier this year, just kind of for the the team context and stuff. But uh-huh. I, I wouldn't uh, like I was trying to I was thinking Bradish could be my Eric Lauer this year, where I just have him on every team. Um, but I wouldn't want to have Jake Junis on every team. Um, so, right. Well, uh, well, the one nice thing about Bradish is he still throws more pitches. Like Junis is uh, throws two pitches and barely throws the change. Right. Bradish still does throw these other pitches. Right. But like you can see it in the whiff rates. Slider is 18% whiff rate, even though he's throwing it 521 times this year. So like that's pretty good. They know the slider's coming and still can't hit it. So that that's an evidence of a of dominant pitch. Change, 9% whiff rate, uh, league average is 14. Curve, uh, 8% whiff rate, league average is 11. Cutter, 8% whiff rate, league average is around 10. So um, I do I do like cutters. Uh, and I do think that having an elite pitch is uh, is good enough for me to be interested. But I, I do think that um, I'd rather have him. I mean, people hit 314 off the cutter, you know. What like the the Orioles? I feel like they have you know four or five guys that uh, one of them might just pop next year, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure who it's going to be. Like. Uh, I don't know, Kramer, Wells, Bradish. Uh, I know Bauman was was on a roll towards the end of the year in the minors. Um, is, is there anyone else um, that maybe stands out to you? Because, I mean, they're all going to be, you know, Grayson Rodriguez might have the ha- highest ADP of any. Of any yeah, right. <laughs> they're all going to be cheap. So. I, I do think I'm going to have some Bradish shares. I think I'd rather, in those bench rounds, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I don't have to like start them in, in, in New York. Um, but, um, you know, British is the model likes British probably best other than Wells. Uh, but Wells is a little bit more of a, uh, command first British's stuff plus is better than Wells's. Um, so that makes me a little bit nervous, but also, you know, Wells told me during the season that, uh, he expected that he would start to try and strike people, more people out in the future. And he's got uh, 11.3% whiff rate and a 6.6 K9 uh, and a history of double digit strikeout rates in the minors. So I, I do think that uh, I'd lean Wells, but I do like uh, Wells and Bradish again next year. I think uh, those would be fine bench pieces. I, I, w- I want to have uh, in NFBC formats, like three to four starting pitchers on my bench. Um, maybe four is the, what I really want because I want, I want to have four guys that I don't want to stream anymore. Mm-hmm. Streaming was like rough this year. And I would much rather have four guys on my on my bench that might be in a two-star week. And that plays to your strengths too. Like if you kind of are peppering guys in that like 300 to 400 range. Um, right, yes. Guys that are too good to go They're undrafted. Top. But yeah. But and, like, then, and then also on top of it, um, if you have four guys on your bench, uh, and you see somebody on the wire you like, but it's not a two-start guy, those guys end up actually being values in FAAB because everyone else is kind of focused on the two-start guys. You can be like, bam, I'm going to pick, you know, Ronzi up in a one-star week and maybe not even start him this week, but I'm going to mm-hmm. start him the next time he's a two-starter. So I, I do agree with people that two-start weeks are super valuable and you want them, but the way I want to get there is a little bit different next year. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Brian Bayo uh, with the Red Sox, really, you know, first half of his rookie season in the big leagues, not successful, but he's turned it <laughs> on of late. Uh, I feel like he might be a guy that pops on stuff plus, but the, the command is in the control, maybe a lag behind. It didn't really like him, but there is a, a caveat uh, with stuff plus, and this is something that I've heard from teams themselves, which is that um, it's really hard to capture a good changeup in stuff plus, even with the seam shifted wake stuff in there, even with all the information we have. Um, I've heard from teams that they will, if in their like sort of true talent model, like their projections or whatever, they will incorporate results on the change up quicker than you know like they'll they'll weight results quicker than with other pitches so if they're trying to evaluate a a young pitcher with they'll use the stuff plus for the slide or the stuff plus for the curve but if they actually have some results on the change they'll they'll kind of balance the results with the with the the stuff plus so stuff plus says it's a 92 change this is a guy who's come up everybody says it's been an excellent change um, and then you look at the outcomes on the pitch, 24% whiff rate on the change, uh, batters hitting 182. So I'm going to tell you right now, don't use uh, pitching plus on Brian Bale. Like just, uh, use, I think scout him, just watch some of the later. I think he looked better later on. I think he's absolutely draftable. All right. I wanted to. Mention this guy because I, I gave you kind of a list of sort of more fringy guys and just want to see if anyone jumped out. And I saw a lot of people, uh, you know, kind of uh, swooning over him last night on Twitter. But uh, Luis Ortiz with uh, the Pirates. Uh, what have you oh, seen my God. 
he really pops, dude. Uh, 135 stuff plus. Uh, like, in fact, he's like, he's the breakout. You know what I mean? Like, he's the McClanahan last year or the Strider last year. You know what I mean? Like, he's the short sample. Who the heck is this? He has the same stuff plus as John Duran. And, and, and the same as Strider. Like, what? Now, usually you want 400 pitches. We got 157 in the, in the model. So maybe it'll change. But Stuff Plus comes online way faster. Uh, let's stop talking about him. How I feel. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, at, like, least he's, hey, at least he's in the, the NL. Uh, we wanna yeah. No, I just mean yeah. like, I, I feel like I, I hope the hype machine doesn't go nuts because I, I want him. Yeah, maybe uh maybe he's reached his innings limit for the year, Pirates. Uh yeah, right. Put him away. <laughs> uh Bailey Falter kind of will go from a guy with crazy stuff to a guy with a ninety one mile an hour fastball that he uses sixty four percent of the time. Uh but he's had success and he yeah. seems to have a you know, the it's not a deep rotational depth chart there in Philly is he like how over his head is he right now uh a little bit I mean uh the funniest thing is stuff plus likes his change up best and I talked to him about it and he's like you're crazy <laughs> he's like it is by far my worst pitch uh I hate it I've been trying to make it better my whole life there's no way that's my best pitch. And like, like it was fun. Like he wasn't mad. Like, uh, but, uh, then he also pointed out, just look at my numbers on it. The results, uh, people are hitting 400 off of his changeup this year. So, uh, another model miss on a changeup. Uh, what I see is, a uh, kind of an Eflin type. Mm -hmm. Uh, I see a guy who, uh, has good command of a lot of four pitches, uh, and is going to blow up sometimes. Uh, he's in a bad park. Um, he's not going to have, he's not someone I want to bet on year to year. What I would love to see is uh, have him go undrafted or um, yeah, I, I would love to see him go undrafted and, and then pop in the model and, and have a good, like a good start or two and, and then pick him up early in the season. I don't, I don't want to count on him going into next year. Cause he just doesn't have great stuff. I think your read on him is right. Yeah, or, or maybe he gets – I mean, if you finish the year with a ERA in the threes, someone's going to draft you, but maybe he gets dropped after he gets shelled by Atlanta or something like that. And then he... Right, and I'd be watching kind of his location numbers and and his under-the-hood stuff. Yeah, I, maybe that's more likely. Drafted, dropped, and then I, I pick him up later in the season. Uh, Cody Morris is a guy that I had been – eagerly awaiting to debut for, for quite some time. Uh, results have kind of been mixed, although he did, he is coming off his best start. Uh, mostly just fastball cutter change up. Uh, what have you seen with Cody Morris? Uh, poor locations. Yeah. Uh, and I think that uh, will maybe mask uh, some decent stuff under the hood. I think all of his three pitches look average or better. I'm not, I don't know if he has uh, an incredible out pitch, but uh, if the locations improve, you know, the whiff rate is there for him. The whiff rate was there in the minors. The strikeouts were in the minors. 
you know, he's got a 40-45 command grade on Fangraphs. Uh, but I really think that the Guardians are great at, at, at sort of coaching that up and game planning for that. So um, I, I, uh, I don't know exactly where he'll fit into my rankings in terms of, uh, I think, you know, we also have that issue we were talking about with the good teams. is like how many innings, where, where will he be on the depth chart? Like, where do you think he'll be on the depth chart going into next season? Uh, it's um, kind of hard to answer that. Well, right like now. he, he just, he missed so much time that one way or another, innings does he have, have, yeah. you're going to have to maneuver like, you know, he's going to spend some time not in the big league rotation, whether that's to begin the season or to, to finish the season or cheese. He has 45 innings this year. Yeah. Cause he, he was out till I think he started, he, he missed the first four months with a shoulder injury. Um, uh, his, I think his changeup has a chance to be pretty devastating. It, it can look uh-huh. really, really good at times. Um, but yeah, like they have, you know, five guys clearly ahead of him, and then they they he just has have no innings. <laughs> all these, you know, they have um, just a, a bunch of really good pitching prospects coming up behind him. But uh, I think the results might be mediocre enough that um, he'll be out there. That he he, he won't be um, costly in drafts. And, I like him. I like him. You know, yeah, there's just like Espino is coming hard after him. And, uh, you know, will well, like, they trade hit, pitching for hitting and, and try to clear that up? But yeah, I mean, who's who's about to get expensive in the rotation? Because um, that, that'll probably be the guy they trade. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, there have been a lot of police act rumors, and that may not, that may have that, a lot that might be, a, that might be, there, there are other ways of getting him off the roster. Right, it's um, true. It, it, did you hear his agents dropped him? Oh, that's not surprising. That's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> like he might be just DFA'd or something. I, I don't yeah. know. Like I, who's who's giving anything other than like cash to get him? Um, I could see, I could see a rebuilding team like you know, like Pittsburgh or something. Like just you know, we won't give you much. We'll give you a reliever or something. If he had, if he had, um, if he was a really kind of well-mannered man uh who coachable went, went to church and stuff like the royal <laughs> oh the royals yeah. <laughs> looks at too much porn for the royals yeah no they they wouldn't be scared <laughs> off by his bad stuff they would just <laughs> no they wouldn't <laughs> they have plenty of bad stuff you can't see um so another guy that you mentioned um has kind of stood out to you graham ashcraft with the reds uh his, you know, he's a ground ball machine, um, throws the, the, the cutter a ton, uh, strikeouts have kind of lagged behind. Is, is that sort of what you see or do you see uh, room for the, the case to, to bump up? Um, you know, he, my model has some trouble with him because it de- designates a primary pitch, um, as your fastball and then defines everything off of it. And I, I don't think in Ashcraft's, I think in Ashcraft's uh, situation, they're defining his primary fastball as his sinker. The model is, um, in which case, uh, you know, I think that is incorrect. I think his cutter is his, is his, uh, his primary pitch. In any case, I, I think you can't hold it too far against the model that it has a trouble with a guy who throws a cutter, a four seamer and a sinker. And as a starter, 
(laughs) And he gets the most whiffs on his cutter, which is pretty much his primary pitch. So uh, it's a a really interesting combination. But uh, the velo is there. um, And uh, he... The stuff plus was improving uh, as the season went on. I think mostly from just using the cutter more. Um, and uh, I just wish he had any other pitch. Mm-hmm. I and then you go back to you know Cincinnati and I don't know, man. I uh, he's going to be really hard to rank. Or do what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I think he'll he'll be he'll be very easy to draft based on, uh, you know, just that people are going to look at the strikeouts and they're not going to expect not gonna believe. Yeah. Look at the team context and stuff. So, I mean, he fits into this sort of plan of, cause like, I don't think he goes undrafted in like a main event. I think he's, he's a guy that someone takes with like their, but you could put him on a bench yeah. and, you know, at the beginning of the season, just start him in Pittsburgh and, in Chicago and stuff, and yeah, you just you hope that he got better in the off season. And- I and also something he's also I think incredibly easy to to like give you an action point on, which is in the spring, if he's talking about a new pitch, believe him, and if you if you can watch a spring start and see that he's actually throwing a curveball or a changeup or something else, and it looks okay, then I think he's sort of prime for a breakout because he's done it. He's he's done pretty well with. Very little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like basically three fastballs. <laughs> yeah. He's already, I mean, he's exceeded my expectations already. Um, yeah. So uh, how about, I, I want to lump these next three sort of together um, because I think they're, they're coming from orgs that have had a lot of success. They're coming from orgs with crowded depth charts. The uh, ability to throw strikes has been their biggest weakness basically at every step. Mm. Uh, but Ryan Pepio, Hunter Brown, mm. and I knew, Kyle I was in my head with Pepio. Who? <laughs> uh, Hunter Brown and who? Uh, Kyle Muller. Kyle Muller. So uh, Muller's just been sort of out of sight, out of mind. He had he had this really impressive stretch at AAA um, before he, I think he hurt like his non-throwing hand or something, um, and hasn't been quite as good since then. But he it seemed like he'd fixed his control issues for a bit there. And the stuff seemed good to me uh, in his uh, most recent big league uh, start. Um, but it, obviously it's crowded there in Atlanta and then sort of the same thing with, with Pepio and Brown, I would expect Muller to maybe be towards the bottom of, of your list of those three, but like, do you, yeah. Is, is Brown the guy um, based on kind of what you're saying? I think so, dude. So, you know, here's the thing that's funny. Uh, Pepe and Brown have similar-ish uh, stuff plus. Actually, Brown has a little bit better. I, I don't know if you've seen it on like Pitching Ninja or whatever, but he, he has a uh, like a 94-mile-an-hour uh, cutter, I guess. Hunter Brown? Oh, Hunter Brown. Hunter yeah, Brown. yeah. Uh, that was really, uh, really opened my eyes. Um, I guess they call it a slider. Um, it's... Uh, modeled after Justin Verlander's slider, right? He so he he, he th- looks up to Justin Verlander. So he throws a 92 mile an hour Justin Verlander slider. Uh, so you know, I think he's good. What? How does he have a thousand pitches in Brooks baseball? Am I looking at the wrong Hunter Brown? 
This, maybe it has its spring stuff in it. Oh, it must have its spring stuff in it. Um, all competition. Let me just do MLB. Aha, that's what happened. It had spring stuff in it. Wow. Anyway, yeah, 93-mile-an-hour slider, 97-mile-an-hour uh, four-seam with ride, and then a curveball with 12 inches of drop, an 83-mile-an-hour curveball. Dude, I'm all over Hunter Brown. And here's the last bit that's, uh, that's kind of cool. Brian Pepio, you, you hear bad command, you know bad command, bad command grades, 91 location plus, among the worst location plus uh in uh, among starters so really he is his location plus is so bad he may not be a starter oh yeah it may not work so i with pepio um i think his changeup it it has the potential to be one of the best changeups in the game but i also i went through and i looked at uh the video of all of his walks in the big leagues this year and they're all on (laughs) changeups no well they're they're just he's missing the zone with, with a, a three ball count. He's missing the zone by oh. feet sometimes, you know, just like nowhere. Yeah. Like some of them are just, you know, the hitter just didn't have to do anything in the at bat. Right. So, yeah. And, and uh, there have been pitchers. Like I really like Josh James when he was coming up mm-hmm. um, yeah, and he had, he had stopped top, top stuff, but he had location pluses like this, you know, and it just didn't, it just didn't work out. And uh, lastly, I, I looked at what predicts innings pitched per appearance, uh, command or stuff. And obviously it's command, but that tells you something. Like if you're, if you're looking at who's going to be good, you want to look at stuff. If you're, if you're looking at who's going to be a starter or not, that's why I, I'm okay with Strider. Like he has good locations. He's mm-hmm. not Josh James, you know, he, he can actually place the ball. And that's what he was telling me. He's like, I said, well, can anybody keep holding? Just like, hi, hi, I'm going to look for high hard and that's it. He says, yeah, people do that to me all the time. Then I throw a low fastball. And I was like, oh yeah, duh. If you have a command, then you can do that. And then all of a sudden you have more, it looks, seems like you have more pitches. Anyway, Hunter Brown, uh, 30 slash 40 grades on his command. I had above average location plus in the minors because I had some minor league data. And he has a 104 location plus in the majors. So I don't know why he was giving up walks in the, in the minors, but sometimes, sometimes people go give up walks in the minors because the umpires aren't as good. Yeah. Like his stuff might've been so electric that the umps just had a hard time calling his game. How many 93, 94 mile an hour sliders they see. Right. So uh, I don't know. I, I'm all over Brown. The only question is, you know, What's your max bid in AL labor? Oh, (laughs) you can't do this to me. I'm going to try and repeat. Um, No, I'm going to throw them out for throw them out for five. See what happens. I might go. I might go that. This is also another one where the action item is really obvious in spring. What's the depth chart? Mm -hmm. If he's the sixth starter. I don't know if I want to go to five. I, I want to get him at like two or three. But five is interesting because you might be able to buy him for five. He gets put to the minors and you reserve him. And then you've got an awesome pitcher in reserve. Yeah. I mean, is McCullers going to be healthy? Um, yeah. So that's what I'd be watching. I'd be watching health. I'd be watching to see what they do with Verlander. Do they sign him? Right. If they don't sign him, if they sign, if they don't sign Verlander and sign somebody worse. 
it could just be a bridge to Brown, right? They could just sign like an Odorizzi type where they just sign somebody to start the season, but they're going to Brown eventually. So I'd be watching their signings and, and, and their health in the spring. So the Yankees traded Hayden Wesneski and Ken Waldachuk at the deadline. They've both made, uh, I think Wesneski's made two appearances, Waldachuk a few more. Do you have a, a favorite out of those two? Yeah, Wisniewski, uh, you know, he just he has good stuff and good command. Waldachuk's uh, location plus is average, uh, which I think might also surprise people because he had poor command grades and lots of walks in the minors. Um, but uh, and he has he has better stuff plus. So maybe my answer should be Waldachuk. But um, I like Wisniewski. Yeah, you like Wisniewski. I think the results have been there a little bit better. Wins are still a category. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean, like, you know. you're, can you project an A's starter for more than, like, five wins? Um, it's going to be awful uh, again there next year, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, Wes Nesky's, uh slider is just so – it moves uh, just a ton. It's like a total Frisbee. Um, oh, Yeah. Uh, this one calls it a curveball, but that doesn't matter in the model. A 137 stuff plus is elite. Yeah. Yeah. That, that like I mean, that could end up being a, a, you know, he's, I'm interested to see where he go. Like if, I mean, if he just shoves in a couple more appearances this year, maybe he won't be super cheap, but he might be, yeah. he might still be a small enough sample that he's cheap. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. You know, him and Luis Ortiz are like, you know, guys that I'd love to get near the end of the draft. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why well, have this model? <laughs> you know, Luis Ortiz, was he was picked up in uh, in DR. I know. I just I looked recently. Was, <laughs> you know, he was – I mean, you know, I'm sure people that are listening to this, if you're in like a shallower league, he might still be out there. Um, but If he uh, got picked up after the 9-13 start, I'm kicking myself. I, I mean, uh, I – I blame myself as well. Um, Cause he was having good. some buzz coming up, right? Like he, he had a really great year in the minors. Yeah. Uh, not enough buzz, obviously. Um, yeah. You know, it's, you know, a guy's looking dominant. Like I had multiple people just text me during uh, his start. I think one text per start, basically just like, what, what do you know about this guy? Yeah. Like, and you know people that uh that fascinate are too fascinated possibly uh if that's true like it's still a very powerful stat but k minus bb on luis ortiz is not gonna look that good so if people are if people are just sort of looking at that then they they may not love him uh just a few more to ask you about quickly and then we'll get you out of here uh braxton garrett i thought had one of the quietest successful age 24 seasons for a former top 10 overall pick that I can recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's just, he just had a lot of success and no one really cares. I know he doesn't throw hard. He's a, you know, kind of a, a lefty with a, you know, he's relying on the, the, the breaking ball. And uh, I, I don't know. He's just, people don't get excited about him. I think that the org, there's just other guys that people get excited about there, but quite there. Um, is he is he anything uh, for you like more than like a, a number four number five or is that just kind of what he is? Uh, I, I feel like he's a bit of a trap for me. I like him. Um, he was improving uh, over the course of the season, uh, but 
you know, he still had suboptimal stuff, which I don't think anything anybody watching him could see that. Um, but you know, he pushed it uh, closer to 90 stuff plus uh, late in the season. Uh, that's where he started. In the middle, there was the injuries, and he had consistently good command uh, throughout it. And he, and you know, you listen to interviews, and he knows that he's a guy who mixes it up and has a lot of different pitches and has command of them. Um, but with the health scares and the fact that the stuff is not amazing, uh, I don't know. I, he, again, another guy that I would love to have for my bench round, but I don't know that I want to have to throw him all the time. What about Jeffrey Springs with the Rays? Oh, there's a guy I believe in hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. he's by far the oldest guy we've talked about. He just turned 30, but this was his first season as an actual big league starter. I think he made two starts for the Rangers in 2018, but he'd been a strict reliever in between 2018 and this year. Uh, so what, what do you love about Springs? Uh, you know, his stuff is also not like standout, but it, everything's closer to average. His slider 109, uh, change of 98, uh, fastball 95, good command of all of them. And just, uh, he's got better stuff than Braxton. So uh, similar guy in that he's going to do, he's like a three pitch guy. Who's, who's going to rely on throwing strikes, but the slider is more of an out pitch uh, than what Braxton has generally all above board. The, 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 um, the, the stuff is better. Uh, the, the org is, I think, you know, top, top org for, to want to have a pitcher in. Um, and then at the end of the season, he was popping one hundreds and stuff plus. So, uh, you know, I think he's I think that also if there is some up and down nature to this year, it's the most innings he's ever thrown. Uh, so I would assume that if he got through this and the model likes him and he's he's got to be back in the rotation again next year, that maybe he there could be some improvements where he's just used to uh, pitching as a starter for the full season. Could he be next year's Nestor Cortez mm-hmm. in terms of like ADP and production? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think that's a good uh, call. Two more that you mentioned caught your eye, Ryan Nelson and Clark Schmidt. Uh, Nelson with the D-backs, obviously Schmidt with the, the Yankees. Um, what have you seen from those guys? Nelson has a, a really good fastball um, and really good command of it and above uh, average in all respects. Um, he's uh, He debuted with, you know, a, a, I think uh, – was it a great start against the Padres, I think, um, and uh, and has managed to maintain, uh, you know, above average stuff. The last start, he didn't have the greatest command, but two starts out of three, really good command. Um, I think that Arizona Diamondbacks get overlooked, uh, and I think he's actually closer than some of the other guys we've talked to in terms of I'd be willing to draft him somewhere where I had to start him. Um, every week because uh, I don't know. I just, I know the, str- the strikeouts aren't there, but the command is really good. And he just uh, reminds me of some other hitters, uh, pitchers in the model where um, uh, it all looks good. And the model, for example, was, was trained on runs allowed, not whiffs. So, uh, you know, like theoretically we're finding guys who can have soft contact. And command is related to soft contact. So I know we're chasing something that some people think doesn't exist uh, in some ways, but I, I think Ryan Nelson could be the kind of guy who would get there. 
and he's interesting for the you know next year with the the no shift um because he's a he's so far he's been a soft contact guy but not necessarily a ground ball guy uh-huh that's so, funny that might and be. we can they can still shift outfielders and the outfield shift has been shown to be maybe more effective even than the infield shift so that's a that's an interesting idea um and there was the other name schmidt oh clark schmidt um you know, I just picked him up in my 12 team dynasty that, uh, you know, I'd lost my, my playoff round. And I, so I had a free pickup, like you can drop a reliever. Cause I, you know, next year I'm going to pick up new relievers anyway, you know? Uh, so I dropped, uh, Jose Alvarado and picked up Clark Schmidt just because I want to have Clark Schmidt on my roster when the Yankees trade him or it gets announced that he's in the rotation to start the year. Um, he's a guy that was a, had a natural, uh, cut ride four seamer, um, and, a and a slow curve. And they added a seam shifted wicks, seam shifted wake sinker and seam shifted wake slider, like sweeper, uh, to his mix. Uh, he has good command. And, uh, so I see this as, uh, a, a triumph of player development for the Yankees. Um, and probably the sixth starter going into next season. So it's kind of hard to know exactly what the action point is, you know, in terms of uh, your league. If he gets traded, uh, he bumps into, I want to draft him everywhere. If I know he's in a, in a rotation, I want to draft him everywhere. Uh, but he may just be the up and down guy for the Yankees next year. Yeah. I mean, a good draft and hold guy, I think at the very yeah. least, because, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's He'll no worse some at some point. Yeah, he's no worse than seventh on their depth chart. And, uh, you know, depending on Domingo Herman and then, you know, Montas's health. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, you could definitely see an avenue to double digit starts for Schmidt. Yeah, but like in terms of like 12 team or NFBC or something. No. You know, like unless, unless there's news, you know, mm-hmm. wait for news. But I do, I do like the, I look, like what they've done. They they found a guy that they could add a sweeper to, uh, and uh, you know he's he's like a nerd, so he's like soaking it all in, and he loves it, and he's very coachable, and he's you know I don't know if I'd go as far as like the Kirby Savant level, but he had he has some of that where he's like I wanted to throw the whirly, and I spent you know three months trying, and I got it. Yeah, you know, Kirby's like I want to do this, and two starts later, he's got it. <laughs> nice well this has all just been fantastic um really appreciate you taking the time a lot of really good breakdowns here um do you want do you have anything you want to promote before i let you go no i'm uh i'm just now finishing a piece that'll be up on the athletic hopefully tomorrow about which players will be most affected by the new rule changes um and so that is one of those pieces I like to write that's uh, half real, half fantasy. Most, you know, fantasy players can read, you know, most of my pieces and find little nuggets that uh, are fantasy related. I sort of straddle that line a little bit. But uh, yeah, this one will have some lists of names. And overall, I think maybe we're going to overvalue uh, the the result of these rule changes. Definitely. Um, well, but, definitely, it, it'll definitely be over discussed on off season. Yeah, right. It'll be all season, <laughs> all off season long, and and like like Corey Seager is going to go in the first round, but uh, <laughs> but I, I think uh, I would mostly I'm I'm uh, applying the brakes. 
Nice. Well, uh, thanks again, Eno. Uh, this has been great. Uh, I'll be back uh, with another episode next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.